0: This podcast is brought to you by Dr. Stephen G. Post, the author of a new book entitled God and Love and Route 80, the hidden mystery of human connectedness. Please listen to podcast number 735, where Greg and Dr. Post discuss his personal story, which is filled with faith, love, and fate. Compelled by a persistent and mysterious dream of a blue angel, Stephen leaves behind his family, friends, and a routine life in New Hampshire in favor of thumbing a ride across the continent on a spontaneous road trip adventure. You won't want to miss this engaging discussion and the life lessons learned as a result of his faith in God while following his intuition and listening to his soul's calling. Please listen to podcast number 735 with author Dr. Stephen G. Post about his new book, God and Love and Route 80. For more information, please visit his website at www.stephengpost.com or www.unlimitedloveinstitute.org. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Charlie, as I do every time I come on, you've probably listened to a few of my podcasts. I have to thank the thousands of listeners from around the world who constantly signing up and pinging us and letting us know how much they like these podcasts. Um, every day I hear from people and this is great. It's good. It's a good thing. And I know you have your own podcast to show as well. We're on with Charlie Gilkey. Charlie is joining us from Portland, Oregon. He has a new book uh, that's out called Start Finishing, How to Go from Idea to Done. Good day to you, Charlie. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great and I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, we're happy to have you on, and Sounds True, which this is a Sounds True book, is one of our great partners. And Charlie, I'm going to let people know a tad bit about you. He's the founder of Productive Flourishing. You can actually go to ProductiveFlourishing.com, a company that helps professional creatives, leaders, and change makers take mindful action on work that matters. He is internationally known as a thought leader on productivity, planning, strategy, leadership, for creative people. Charlie is the author of this book uh, of which I'm going to highly recommend you go out and get is widely cited in outlets such as Time, Forbes, Guardian, life hacker, and more. He's also an army veteran and a near PhD. He's working on his PhD in philosophy. Charlie, a pleasure having you on inside personal growth and to just spend a few minutes with you so that you can let our listeners know about how you're helping people become, more productive and with more meaning. And that takes me to my first question. You know, you mentioned that we've had, we all have unfinished projects and some are more important than others. And I know, man, I'm like the project dude. I create a lot of them. We frequently get caught in the noise. Um, and I actually taught a course that I created called "Never Mind the Noise, Thriving in a World of Ever-Increasing Complexity. And boy, are we busy today. There's more stuff to do, more things to learn. And oftentimes it's not as meaningful as we want. So what advice do you have for our listeners to work on what you call best work projects and put aside the busy work that most of us get trapped into, Charlie?
2: You know, that's such a great setup, Greg. Um, And Really to dive into it, I need to have a quick definition of projects because I think it helps explain the rest. So from my perspective, a project is anything that takes time, energy, and attention to complete. Now, when you think about that, there's no real distinction between work or career projects and life projects. And I think what so often happens is when we're creating, you know, a project list or to-do list, we unconsciously put so much weight on the work slash career stuff and make them the important things to do that we don't often consider the rest of the things that we do as either work to be done or projects to be done so what i've noticed in the work that i've done over the last decade is so many people are focused on the things they're not getting done i.e over on the work and the project on the work and career side of things and not counting the things they are getting done on the life side of things you know the are taking care of kids and family members and housework and all those different things and so Why I want to start with putting um, or making, you know, anything that takes time, energy and attention to this project is much like David Allen did in making it all work. We want to put it all on the table and say, okay, of all the things we're doing, what are the things that matter most to us? And I think one of the things that does, Greg, is it allows us to say, you know what, these life projects over here that actually really matter to me, they're not something that I need to wait around to get to or wait until work. And my career settled down like these are important things to do now and so one of the tensions I I would say um, aside from just the noise that comes that comes at us and depending upon where you fall with social media maybe seeing too many other people's curated lives that they project on the on social media um, and then being like wow I wish I had that is that we're not starting internally and saying what matters to me what are my true priorities and how do my days align with those priorities? Because I'm very much in the um, Mahatma Gandhi camp here, that action expresses priority. And when you really take that seriously, first it frustrates a lot of people because when you really look at you know, whether you do time logging or just a reflection on where days go, they want to say my days are not reflecting my priorities. That's what we want to say. But if action expresses priorities, what you're doing in the, during your day is what you've decided you will do for different reasons. So um, say well, step it's,
1: one. It's Go a ahead. good way to, to guide our listeners in shifting their priority. I think the, the, where it comes from, and you talk about this and I, I talk about it, um, is really our awareness, right? Mm-hmm. Of what we're actually doing. And it, mm-hmm. it all starts from heightening awareness, whether you're a regular meditator like me, or maybe you are, or some of our listeners, the key is the awareness of what you're doing right Mm -hmm. but i think one of the things that gets people trapped in this and i'll i'll bring this question to the forefront here is the ego and the fear the fear that they're not doing the things that they need to do to make the kind of money to keep themselves uh in keep them going how's that just maintaining Mm -hmm. their life right and -hmm. so they keep putting off those meaningful uh those purposeful projects. Um, what do you do to kick somebody in the butt to redo that, shift it?
2: Well, first thing to remember is that money and the way, especially with money provides us, are often instrumental values. They're not the intrinsic things that we love the most. Um, and we all sort of know this in a perspective that like spending time with friends and family, spending time in, in hobbies and, you know, different things like that are actually what we value most. And those are often some of the cheapest ones, right? And so... Um, not to go on a sort of anti-materialistic or sort of a minimalist push here, but I think the first thing is to understand is, is the money that you're making actually buying you the happiness you're seeking or is it buying you more stuff or buying you more responsibilities that you then have to work harder to maintain, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so that that's sort of one way. And I, I realize it's coming from more of a philosophy sort of minimalist background on that. Um, and, you know, look, we have to make trade-offs. Um, we have 24 hours in a day. We all have those same 24 hours of the day. And so what I would want people to look at is, you know, looking back over the last week or two, um, what are those things that you didn't get to? And if you had to sort of, you know, make that choice again, would you continue to choose to deprioritize those and or punt them into the future or maybe start weaving them in? And I want to be super tactical here. Because a lot of times the things that matter most to us, um, and and I'm not trying to dictate what that is for people, but sometimes those things can be attended to in 30 minutes or an hour a day, right? Mm -hmm. They're not monumental projects. You know, you don't have to do a whole lot. You just have to go back to that awareness that you mentioned. And In in the book, I talk about five different um, keys to doing your best work. And I'll go through them briefly because they're the ones that you have to sort of get in the right configuration, which are intention, awareness, boundaries, courage, and discipline. Well, that
1: was my a next minot- question. You're you're yeah. you're ahead of me on a question. So there you go.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so if you speak need with minot- our listeners
1: that- speak with our listeners about how to use these um core keys in unlocking their best work.
2: Yeah, so um that's kind of where I was going in the sense of first if you don't have a, a really great intention, it's hard to channel your energy towards anything. I'm um, just like You know, the the, um, Alice in Wonderland, like if you don't know where you're going, any road would take you there, right? But a lot of times we're so focused on either not knowing where we truly want to go or we want to go down 17 different roads at once and we're trying to go there and we end up just stuck and torn and not sure what to do. But the more that you can align your priorities, your intention, your goals around the things that matter most, the more you can channel your energy, attention, and time towards those things. Now, it turns out that once you do something like that and you become aware of what those things are and aware of how you spend the time, that's where those sort of boundaries, courage and discipline come in, right? How do you create the boundaries in your life so that you say the right no's and the right yeses? Um We say yes too frequently and no, I'm not nearly enough. And that ends up in that we're always behind. And so I, I think it's one of those things like at some point you got to recognize if I'm, at 100% capacity today and I'm not getting the stuff done that I'm already have on my plate. Tomorrow, there are going to be more yeses, more requests, more things coming at me. And I'm still stuck on today or yesterday or so on. So at some point, you got to say, you know what? No, um, I got to stop letting more things on this um, um, this w- road that I'm going on. And start saying yes to the things that matter most
1: because some days you don't you don't let anything more on your transit that's what we used to do because you know the reality is is you can control by choice what's on the inbox what's in the (laughs) inbox right but Mm -hmm. i do have a question about this because and 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 philosophical in nature yet another is i think a lot of people i've interviewed Stephen Kotler many times, uh, Mm -hmm. rise, abundance, uh, you know, the rise of Superman and getting in flow. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a second here about just our mental hardwiring and how we're wired as human beings to get into this creative spot of working on purposeful and meaningful activities. What do you do to help electrocute somebody or jolt them to say, Hey, look, these things are important. Even if awareness isn't working, um, what kind of techniques do you have? What do you recommend? Um, that would help because I know a lot of people out there listening are stuck. You're mm-hmm. saying, well, let's work on meaningful projects and they don't even know what a meaningful project is.
2: Yeah. And that goes to that, you know, that kind of goes to those five keys. but I want to, Talk about two challenges first and then provide the solutions. Because I think if you know so much of my work is about finding the root cause that's causing these sort of top line issues to continue to recur. So if we just keep talking about the top line solutions, it doesn't actually get to the root of it. You mentioned one of the core drivers of being human is working on meaningful creative stuff, right? That's true. The tension is that due to the way that we've evolved and created, you know, community and just the type of beings that we are. We're also incredibly responsive to other people and other people's demands and social relationships. And so a lot of times where people get stuck is there are the things that they want to do, and then there are the social obligations or the things that other people want to do. And we are wired, um, and we also have some cultural and spiritual stories that tell us that paying attention to what other people's needs and demands is more important than paying attention to our own. Um, and yet, and yet there's no one, well, not no one, few people wake up in the morning saying, you know what? I'm really going to make Greg's priorities, my priority for today. I'm going to make sure that we take care of his things, right? No one does that. So we end up so often feeling social obligations. I call it OPP, other people's priorities, right? right? We so often get stuck in doing that. And it's even worse, Greg because we are neurologically primed to be happy when other people smile and feed off that energy and so on. So we have both the negative consequences of not doing what people ask us to do, but we have that real time in the moment, in the moment positive feedback loop that when we do something for someone else, they smile, they're happy, we smile, we're happy, except we're happy in that moment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, those momentary happiness those little hedonic hits that you get those little dopamine hits that you get are not going to be what leads you to like um, full deep thriving flourishing or happiness whichever way you want to talk about it so that's really the tension here greg for a lot of I, people i agree sure. with you
1: i also agree with uh, tim desmond was just on the show with
2: uh
1: mm-hmm. how to be human in a fucked up world and mm-hmm. he was talking about suffering right? We all create our own suffering and Buddha has said, Hey, we've got suffering. And the reality is the other side of suffering to do it is compassion. And I think it's out of the compassion for other people uh, that we, we kind of get caught in that, you know, and you, you use a great term in the book, creative constipation. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how many people listening right now are saying, man, I'm constipated because I can't get there. Um, but it, would you agree with that, that on one side of it is this suffering? Because here we have all these great things we do, so we're going to go ahead and suffer. Uh, and then on the other side of it is we've got this compel. If we go to the other side of that, compassion.
2: Yeah, I think it's compassion, but I'm also going to be honest here. Again, root cause, it's compassion, but also fear of rejection, okay. right? So there are, there are those people that we want to help because coming from that good space, And then there are the things we get involved into because we don't want to be rejected if we say no, Mm -hmm. right? And so both of those are super powerful human um, motivations and primers. And that's, I think, a lot of times where we get stuck. So yeah, compassion, fear of rejection. And what's even worse, Greg, I know I'm going through all the pains here. I promise we'll we'll get to some solutions. But when the work that matters most, we're in this other tension with it in that we really want to do it, but it also scares us. because. You know, I call it thrashing, right? No one thrashing thrashes, which is that sort of emotional labor, that metal work, that working around a project, but not actually pushing it forward. No one thrashes about taking the garbage out. Right? No one thrashes about doing the dishes. Right. Um, unless there's really deep stories and other things tied to it. Like we just do it or we don't do it. There's, we don't spend our days worrying about it. But when it comes time to the work that we most want to do, whether it's start that business or start that nonprofit, write the book. You know, go around the world, you know, marry this partner. Like, those are the things that we really get this whole existential crisis going about. Like, do I do it? Do I not do it? Am I worthy? Am I not worthy? Right. All those, you know, many different ways in which we thrash with those projects. And so by the time we do all of that thrashing, we're worn out. But Mm -hmm. another core human driver is getting stuff done. Right. So we're like, I've worn myself out. I haven't actually got anywhere in my best work. I gotta get something done today. So let me go jump in my inbox. Let me go see what's on social media. Let me go to the water cooler and see what's going on there and see a way that I can help out. Or let me go help somebody else out because clearly I can't do my own thing. So I'll go do that something with them because I gotta be useful, right? And that, that whole process wasn't useful. And you know that's where that sort of discipline and courage comes in that I think too often We try to focus on being, you know, intelligent and making the smartest next move where the real happiness in life, deep happiness, comes from taking the most courageous steps and Mm -hmm. then following through with them. Mm -hmm. And I say deep happiness because deep happiness doesn't mean that every given moment that you're working during the day that you're going to be like that dopamine happy. Um, You might be miserable. I'm one of those people that like, I love writing, but some days, writing is torturous, you know, it's, it's like being in a hit, like being in a Brazilian um, jujitsu match with a spider monkey. Like, you know, he's pulling on me, tugging on him. We're rolling around on the floor. Sometimes we get somewhere. Sometimes there's just a lot of rolling around on the floor. Yeah. It was um, interesting.
1: You wrote this book on a little machine in a coffee shop. And I, I was thinking to myself, I've never seen one of those machines. So I went online and looked it up and they're like $78 or a hundred dollars or whatever. I'd never seen one of them before so really interesting and like a little word processing machine that uh obviously nobody's making many
2: of them anymore but i thought that was really interesting right yeah yeah so they cost 25 bucks actually oh okay uh, and so that's the thing is like i can buy multiples of them have one in the car and have them in it's an alpha smart neo too in case you want to go search it and greg is right it's a little lcd screen they were actually Um, before computers became um, affordable for everyone is what a lot of people did their writing on in the late Mm. 90s yeah Um, and so I looked at and I'll I'll pause you because what I did is some awareness exercises and just some journaling and I was like I don't I don't feel like I'm the best writer like in this slice of time I think I've been there have been slices of time where I've been a better writer a deeper thinker I've been more connected with the with you know that golden thread that that you have to get to it writing and so i started doing some analysis i was like what was different then and part of it was like i and I, i know you remember these days too greg where we used to write like long form handwrite draft um our essays papers and articles and then we went to a computer to type it out we might, have, we might save it and print it, but that's what we did with computers. We had that single focused task with it. Um, and when we were done, we went on and did something. Different. The world has changed where we're always carrying computers in our pockets, on our wrists. Right. You know, um, but what I tried to do was recreate those conditions and also, realize, also thwart a lot of the interruptions and distractions of modern day life. And so I knew plenty of times when I went down to the coffee shop, I was like, I only took that Neo um, I took my phone cause I listened to um, music on it, Right. but I would be there, you know, I'd be there, like I'd get there at eight o'clock in the morning, but around ten 15, I'd be like, I'm tired. I'm done. Is this any sense? You know, and I know in those moments is when I would normally jump to see what was going on an email or I check in with the team, but I'm like, I'm going to be here until noon. And it's just me and this, this stupid Neo and these words. And so i'm either going to do it and own that or i'm going to not do it and i don't want to go home just because i didn't feel like writing today so a lot of words came after those moments in which um if i were on a computer if i were on a modern device i probably would have bailed out because i hadn't set that boundary
1: well um, the other thing is i mean you're talking about writing but if when you do it on a, a laptop or whatever you have this tendency to want to correct it, and the great thing about what you're writing on is, and in in every person who teaches people how to write a book will tell you, hey, don't go back and read it. Just write. Just keep writing. Just, just write. It. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I did the same. I did the same thing. I didn't do it on the Neo, but I literally just wrote. I didn't go back and correct. Just wrote. 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 And hacking the gap: A Journey from Intuition to Innovation Beyond. It was created in maybe four months. Mm-hmm. Um. So, the reality is, you can do it. In other words, these mm-hmm. projects which you have this intention to complete, you set that time off, which takes me to a question about our ideas into smart goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody listening knows what a smart goal is simple, meaningful, actionable, realistic, and trackable. And you state it uh, to verb it, time it, check it against reality, and read the goal uh, to see if it's simple. Can you? Comment on this smart goal practice because you know we're talking about projects. Now we're talking about goals. Okay. And mm-hmm. there's proximal goals. Everybody mm-hmm. has proximal goals. If you're gonna get anywhere, there's gonna be a proximal in there. In other words, oh, I got this huge project. I want to create whatever. Well, the reality is how many steps do you have prior to getting there? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, comment if you would about uh taking those ideas and putting them into smart goals and what what kind of tools would you tell people to use? I know you've got some of your own.
2: Yeah. So that's a great question. And just to start it, I know it's going to sound simplistic, but that's the that's well, it's going to sound simple, but that's the beauty of it is we don't do goals and ideas. We do projects. Right? And so so many people are stuck with ideas and goals because they haven't converted them into projects. Um and so you just don't do goals and projects. You do excuse me, goals and ideas. You do the projects that manifest those goals and ideas. And so the process, I actually recommend that most people like don't do this on the computer. So I don't have a whole lot of tools besides pen and paper when it comes to this process, because I think um, one, we get distracted and we build too much onto the process. But as you mentioned, you know, there are a few steps of, um, you know, take your idea or your goal. And if you've got a smart goal, it already has a verb. But if you have sort of that loose hunch, First thing I want people to do is a verb to put a verb in front of that. So is it what is it? Is it write the book? You know, is it like just don't have that noun. So whatever it might be, like trip to Spain. Well, what what does that mean? Go on the trip to Spain, like research the trip to Spain, decide on the trip to Spain. What is trip to Spain? That's the noun construct of that. Or if it's book, don't just have book on a to do list on a project list. What do you do with it? Where where do you go? So the verbing it is probably the killer hack here, Greg, because it immediately tells you what to do. And once we start thinking in terms of do, our brain switches into the steps that we need to take to do that. And again, we do the steps to, inst- to manifest the goal or idea um, rather than having those ideas and goals kind of sit on us. Um, so that's why that process is so important. But you know, I, I list, um, you know, verb... Actually, I'm not looking at the book right now, so you, you have it in front of you. Um, I love some steps there that you can just walk through those. And that last one about um, reading it again, after you've done the, the machinations to make sure that it's simple is because you have to remember that if you're sitting there, you're at a coffee shop, you're in your office, you're on you know, some great resort at Mount hood, or you're having all of these great ideas and goals come to you in that moment, everything seems to make sense. Three months later, you may not remember what you were talking about when you were, you know, during that sort of ideation session. And so the point of making it simple and making, giving a time to it and checking against reality is so that when you look at that goal in the future, one, it makes sure that if you didn't get to it, that you can pick it up again and not have to do all that work all over again. But two, it's something that can continue to drive you forward because the work of figuring it out where you are trying to go is done right now the work is figuring out how you're going to take those steps to get there and switching those modes of thinking can be so powerful for people because when you're always stuck in the where and how at the same time it causes mental short circuits that don't get you anywhere and you get worn out you don't get it you start that thrashing all over again and there you are you know doing the small hanging fruit on or the low hanging fruit on your to-do list but not really feeling satisfied
1: well you have A lot of techniques that you've developed over time. Uh, You have a lot of opportunities for our listeners to go to the website and download free um, sheets. They can actually get free planners. Mm -hmm. Um, You also have paid things that people can do as well. Um, But you have these, you state that focus blocks will fuel our best work. Mm -hmm. Um, What are the focus blocks and how can we build them into uh, projects? I know that A lot of people use the Pomodoro and technique. Um, But focus blocks are really, I would assume, you know, tell our listeners what you mean by that.
2: Okay. So to explain focus blocks, I can set up and explain the other types of four blocks, four blocks or the other three blocks, um, because it helps people see how you can use these during your day. So focus blocks are those 90 to 120 minute chunks of work or chunks of time where you commit to doing your deep, or best work. Um, it's the type of work that you can't be distracted while you're doing it or you can't do it. Um, and it's just those, whether it's quiet time or whether it's the time that you set up that's specifically um, for you to focus on getting work done, that's those. So 90 to 120 minutes. Second are social blocks, which could be meetings with people. If you're a consultant or you do anything like that, it would be working with clients. Those are still 90 to 120 minutes um, because by the time you look at preparing for that meeting and exiting that meeting, sort of taking notes, it tends to still be about 90 minutes. Um, the third is going to be your admin blocks, which is where you do all the administrative of life, the email, the phone calls, the figuring out, you know, what you need to buy from Amazon. Those tend to be 30 minutes or an hour, um, depending upon what you're working on. And lastly, are your recovery blocks, which is um, where you eat, exercise, meditate, take care of yourself, but those are your recharge blocks. What so often happens, and I'm glad you mentioned Pomodoro. I love the Pomodoro technique when Mm -hmm. it comes to admin blocks Mm -hmm. um, because you can get in, you can knock a few things out, you can take a break, you can do it again. But what I've noticed working with change makers, creative peoples, and leaders that really need to do some deep work and, and do their best work is that that's just not enough time for them to really get into it grapple with whatever issue or whatever work that they're doing, create something and then move on to the next thing, which is why I advocate 90 to 120 minutes. Now, I want to be clear here. It's not necessarily that it's 90 to 120 minutes of you focused just on that one thing. It could be 90 to 120 minutes where, um, you know, you give yourself that 15 minute warm-up that it takes to get into the project. You work on a little bit, if you need to get up and get coffee or go to the bathroom or walk around the block, those can all be during that focus block. But the key thing is you don't switch projects and from a technology perspective, you don't switch context. So if you're writing in Word or your favorite word processor, stay in you're it. You're in stay in it. Yeah. Don't jump into email. Don't right. jump into Slack. Don't see what's on Facebook because the second you do that, you lose the thread.
1: And turn uh, off um, all your notifications. <laughs>
2: You know, here's the thing, like, I don't know I'm in a particular state, but yesterday, Greg, I finally decided to turn to make my do not disturb function on my phone permanent Um, because there are ways that you can hack your phone so that certain people can get through. But because of all the robocallers and the stuff I didn't need, I was like so many times just yesterday, I was interrupted maybe three times by my phone, which I normally don't have my phone on. You know, I was like, you know, what? there's a very simple way to prevent this in the future and not have to use my willpower. We just put it on do not disturb constantly and check the phone like we used to you know we used to go check mail messages now to right. be clear i'm 39 right and so um i'm you know i'm I'm saying that because i realize when i talk about phones when i talk about these older computers it's hard to place me where i am as far as my age goes but i remember those times when we used to be super intentional and go check you know email because you had to pay for it and go check this, the voicemail messages as opposed to having it on us. Um, and somewhere along the way, we renegotiated expectations with ourselves. And my my argument is that I think a lot of those renegotiations have not been um, really fruitful for us. Yeah, I got, you, it,
1: I got you beat on that one. I used to carry a pocket full of dimes and have to go to a phone booth. Can you believe that? Yeah, man.
2: Yeah, I remember yeah. those too, right? Those um the, my those wife were
1: the days when, you know, then it went to a quarter, went to whatever it did. But the reality was you want to talk about being intentional. You you didn't have you had a Thomas Brothers map, you had a phone mm-hmm. booth, you had someplace, mm-hmm. you didn't have a cell phone. Um th- that was the reality. Uh, July third, I was 65. So the reality is is that you know, we've seen the progression of this technology. Uh, invade our environment and actually had a Brian Solis on here with life mm-hmm. scale. And Brian yeah. is a anthropologist uh, studying how the digital world has affected. And I said, what's the future look like? And he said, very grim. And yeah. I, I didn't really, I, I was really taken by that because it has affected us, all of us so much for the good and not so good, which leads me to, your acronym gates. And Uh it's a handy way to consider um, what our project should be, as you say. One is G for genius, A for affinities, T for talents, E for expertise, and S for strengths. Can you articulate just a tad on that before we talk to our listeners about how they can participate in your programs and so on? And get involved with uh, you and the website on some of the courses that you teach.
2: Yeah, that's a great topic. I love talking about gates. And the key here is to use your gates to unlock your projects, right? And so as a very simple way of saying is, what am I natively good at? And how should I use that to do projects, but also to vet projects? Too often what we do is we choose a project and we figure out common ways that that project might be done. And then somewhere along the way, if we're lucky, we start thinking like, huh, like, there may be easier ways to do this or like, you know, there's a special way that I got to do it based upon, you know, how I'm showing up in my gates. And what I'm asking people to do is to start with their gates when you're thinking about that project and say, you know what, if you're great at writing and that's one of your superpowers, maybe think about how you can get your project done using writing as a foundation as opposed to something Um, that's not so I tell a quick story about Arnie there which is always useful right because Arnie he wrote me he was a reader and he wrote me and he's like Charlie I don't like writing I'm not good at it and I'm having trouble growing my written blog Um, do you have any advice for me for how I can do that and I wrote back to Arnie I was like oh and he also said "Um, I'm great at talking you know I'm, I'm great conversant and I like doing video and I looked at the email. I was like, Arnie, like in this email yourself, you already posed what we need to do. And obviously, the listener probably here is like, why is he writing as opposed to doing a podcast or doing a video blog? And that was pretty much what I thought. I said, stop the writing blog, start doing the, the podcast and, and, or a video blog, because that's what you're good at. The amount of effort that it was going to take Arnie to become great enough to be a standout written blogger would be so much more than if he tapped into his native gates and just did what he was already good at and enjoy, and let the fruits come from that. And so, the point about Gates there is when you're really thinking about your projects, it could be a project you're thinking about or a project you're 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 working on. Think like, what am I great at? And be really broad here. The other thing about Gates is we tend to just look at professional skills or things we might have learned in school, but curating music is a gate for some people, and there may be ways that that applies to your project, like doing improv can be a great being a a natural storyteller being funny is a gate is one of your gates and so think of all those things you're natively good at and just ask how might i use that particular gate or that particular skill or trait in this project and it tends to unlock things make it easier make it more fun and if you're doing creative work make it more you so that you stand out because you're being and showing yourself as opposed to being a me too version Of somebody
1: else well i love your acronym um because when you look at genius and affinities and talents and expertise and strengths and when you're doing your purpose you know in life these are the things that will rise to the top and then you look at your values and the values will be aligned with that as well and then along with this you've got the opportunity uh to work on some of the things that charlie's talking about here because this is your best work projects i think If we were to say one thing, if we could get people to just move toward those best work projects and get Charlie's book, I highly recommend going to his website and downloading some of the free resources. You also have a course, right, Charlie, Mm -hmm. that people can take and you've got a podcast as well, which is at the same website, uh, Productive Flourishing. It really flashes on me when I say Productive Flourishing because I created a course called Productive Harmony that I taught for quite some time. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm so aligned with you and so many of the things you're doing. What is that course uh, that people could get involved in with you?
2: So the course is called Start Finishing Your Projects. And what it does is it takes a lot of the stuff that we've talked about today and really has you work through a specific project um, and build a project roadmap for that. So um, my book, Start Finishing, goes in a lot of that but in start finishing your projects which actually preceded the book i really just wanted people to focus on one best work project and that best work project is that stuff and i I did a terrible job of explaining that earlier it's that stuff that work that matters most that work that you know in three years in five years in 10 years at the end of your life you're going to say man i'm really glad that i did that thing right a lot of the work that we do is ephemera um if we're not careful but your best work is just that stuff that um, lights you up, only you can do it, makes the world better, um, and this is stuff that's really going to matter. Um, so those are the ones that even though we want to do it, those are the types of projects where we have to carve a lot more time and a lot more um, effort behind because one of the reasons I mentioned earlier that we're afraid of them is because our identities are wrapped up in them. If we fail at those projects, we think it says something about who we are as people or our character. So. Um, That's what Start Finishing a Project does, helps you go into a specific project, build a roadmap, um, alert the people around you that need to be a part of the project, um, which terrifies people, and push that project to done. So people love that course. Um, And we have, as Greg has mentioned, a lot of free tools, don't even have to sign up for them, um, on the website to help you really take those ideas and convert them into doable projects. So that you get to the end of the week and you're not going to do everything you want to do, but you can say, you know what, at least I did those things. I pushed the ball forward and you can have that sense of accomplishment and pride in the fact that you took this limited time that you had in on this earth and did something that mattered.
1: Well, what I like about it is that you call it a complete intuitive system. And I think the key is intuitive. You know, there, um, I believe so much in intuition. If you listen to the soul's calling, you know my book, "Hacking the Gap: A Journey from Intuition to Innovation," was all about this. So identify the goals of projects, break them down, uh, plan when to spend time on them, and then track the progress of them. Um, Charlie has so many opportunities for you to get involved. Um, there's actually a mid-year sale right now for the Digital Planners—six bucks. I mean, I mean, like everybody can afford that. I'm going to put a link to that because it's a great way to get started. Um, it's a great way to understand what Charlie's doing. And I believe that if there's one thing that he could do for you is he'll help you work on those best projects that you want to work on. Uh, and not only that, once you start working on them, he's going to show you how to complete them. So Charlie, it's been a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth and speaking with our listeners about your new book, Um, which again, we'll have links to Amazon. It's called Start Finishing, How to Go from Idea to Done. Um, He's even got featured contributions from James Clear. Uh, He's got them from Seth Godin and Susan Piver. So anything you want to leave our listeners with here?
2: Yes. Um, And thanks for asking. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, What I want to remind people is, yes, we've talked about a lot of work. We've talked about a lot of ideas. What Greg and I are both super passionate about is your thriving. And it turns out that we become by doing and we find our way to thriving by doing the work that matters most. So it's not just about the work in the end state. We want you to be happy. We want you to be successful and we want you to live a life on purpose because that's really what this is all about. So um, if you take nothing else from this episode, please think about how your days are spent driving you towards your state of thriving.
1: Well, Charlie, thanks for being on and namaste to you, my friend. I appreciate uh, your time and all the uh, work that you've put into helping people. Um, go to Productive Flourishing, dot com. You'll find everything you need there. Thanks so much, Charlie.
2: Thanks for having me.